Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. These hosts are horrible. Listening to the latest pod, these hosts are just xenophobic a-holes. Pulisic's last chance or last chances, while others in the forward line don't do anything. They love work rate merchants who work, who run around and don't actually do anything. English con- content creators are honestly so biased. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast, everybody. That was a review we got from someone who, residing in the United States of America on the 24th of October, 2022, shortly after Chelsea played Manchester United and Brentford and we discussed those games on the podcast because I'm such a xenophobic a-hole I'm joined by Patrick Larson residing in the United States of America Pat how are we doing <laughs> Nick I'm doing I'm doing I'm doing all right considering the result today but uh wow what a what a review I can safely tell you that is certainly not my view and um I'm really really honored and thank you for allowing me to be back on the podcast today I'm I'm buzzing about it Pat it's always a pleasure having you on. And if anyone wants to leave any reviews, please feel free. And if you want to get your, who knows, if you want to get the red out of the show, if they're that good or I find them that funny, then go ahead. As I always do, I guess I get them to give themselves a plug. So Pat, tell people where they can find you. Absolutely. Well, um, you can find me on Twitter at, it's at PTP underscore COYB. I do, I occasionally do match previews. I do a lot more match reviews. And just try to, and I really just like to have positive interactions with people on Twitter. And as as, as rare as that seems to be these days, um, just 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 enjoying debating respectfully, and also just trying to spread joy and positivity on the TL where possible. Indeed, indeed, Pat is one of the great guys on Chelsea Twitter. Make sure you drop him a follow. Right before we get into the episode, I've just got to take care of a quick bit of admin. I managed to remind you that support for that Chelsea podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. 
Manscaped performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 6 million men, and if my math is correct, that's 12 million balls worldwide who trust Manscaped, this exclusive offer that we have for you. Get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code ChelseaPod at manscaped.com. Now, I was kindly sent the performance package 4.0, and like Con Gaga off the bench at Crystal Palace a few weeks back, this package is a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed worker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver, turner, performance box briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. First off is the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming and, dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. It will help clean up a mess down there a lot better than Chelsea's attempts at dealing with the Kaya Saka corner this Sunday. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 4000K LED spotlight should you need a more precise shade. Some might call it the Cess Fabregas of trimmers. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor and everyone's a winner there. Now, like watching Denis Zachariah's performance for Dinamo Zagreb midweek, you no doubt thought that was good. But do you want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. We get it all up in your business, like former Blue Diego Costa looking for a scrap. Next up, we have their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Turner, which will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas, your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxer Briefs and the Shed Travel Bag. I mean, the Travel Bag is called the Shed. You know you want this. It's time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with code CHELSEAPOD. Get 20% off and free shipping with code CHELSEAPOD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code CHELSEAPOD. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. That link will be in the description. Make sure you check it out, people, because I say Christmas is only just over a month away. And what says I love you more to someone than, you know... uh, taking care of your own personal hygiene. Um, all right, let's get into it. Pat, before we get on to, I guess, the depression of Arsenal, we played Dinamo Zagreb midweek. And uh, yeah, it was interesting. It was perhaps a stronger team the, than we'd have liked, but we've got, there's only one place to start. Dennis Sakurai, he is in fact a real person. He does exist. He's not just a figment of our imaginations that we've made up. He is real. He does exist. And he's actually quite good at football. He is. He's not a non-player character as he's been as he's been so uh, or NPC as he's been so often called by, I believe, by even by yourself, you know, at times. But um, he uh, yeah, he impressed. I mean, for a guy that hasn't played regular football in quite some time, because because we have to remember, even before he came to Chelsea, he wasn't playing all that much for Juventus either. And so uh, for him to kind of put in that kind of performance and to to get his first ever Chelsea goal to boot. I mean, I was very impressed and he kind of provided, he kind of made a great point of one of those things that we're missing, which is someone that can play in that DM role. And, um, you know, he's, he's not like a classic DM where he just sits, but he's a, he's a destroyer and he, and he can, he can contribute, uh, on both sides of the ball, you know, offense and defense. And, um, like I said, just for a guy that, Honestly, starting, I wasn't expecting a whole lot. You know, he he looked a little bit off the pace at times. I mean, you he got spun a couple times, which, you know, you're going to expect that with a guy that hasn't played very much. But but then he really grew into the game, and he really had a good performance. So, well, well, well done, Dennis, and uh, welcome to Chelsea. Indeed, indeed. You know, scores on his debut. Who knows? But for those, who knows how significant that will be? Who knows the role he will play at Chelsea? during the season, but for those who are there at Stamford Bridge, you know, you were there when Dennis Zachariah scored 
his first ever Chelsea goal. So, you know, moment of history that you witnessed there. And his goal helped Chelsea reach a century of wins in the UEFA Champions League. Exactly. The non-playable character, as many, including I, dubbed him. You know, he is now officially a playable character at Chelsea, it seems. We have unlocked him. Um, you know, it's a bit, I guess, you know, he is free guy. Going back to free guy, he is. he has decided, no, I, I'm sick of, you know, the same routine every single day. And he's decided I'm I'm gonna gonna do something. Um, so we'll just see if Graham Potter decides to to give him more opportunities. Pat, obviously Raheem Sterling got a much needed goal. That was also nice. Um, but we've got to talk about it. And it was the main takeaway from that night. Ben Chilwell's injury. That man, he has been so unfortunate with the injuries. It's ever since winning the Champions League in 2021 for Chelsea, that man has just been played just by bad luck. He didn't play for England at the Euros because he, he joined the squad late because he was part of that Champions League squad. Southgate didn't, didn't give him a game. As a result, he then came back, you know, for a Chelsea not quite fit enough to start the start of the season. He finally got into the team, was playing really well, got that season-ending injury. Again, battle back resiliently, came back, has probably been, you know, has been pretty solid for Chelsea this season. And he gets an injury that, you know, not only, you know, on a personal note, rules him out of the World Cup and again, just deprives us of him you know, till to, to after to after uh, the World Cup ends, just just thoughts, feelings with for Ben Chilwell. I'm I'm absolutely gutted for Ben. I mean, I don't think people understand just how hard it is to come back from an ACL injury. I mean, the man was still trying to build up fitness, and he was still trying to recover from that injury, and he was just starting to really kind of put in the shifts that that we know that he has the talent to put in, and he's had to kind of they've kind of had to you know, kind of insert him back in gradually. And um, he was starting to be first choice under Graham Potter, at least at the left, at the left wing back position. And sometimes even in the flat back four, um, he, um, I thought he was starting to improve it to improve, you know, game by game and play well. And, and then, as you said, Nick, this happens. And now he uh, did, I don't know, did they say it's like a full tear of the hamstring or was it, I know, I know they said about three to four months, is kind of the yeah, recovery like three, time, but three months is what they are. Saying, three months. Yeah. Yeah. So regardless, a very, a, a very serious hamstring injury and, you know, a guy that was working so hard to try to get back into the reckoning for the England side and, um, and really be back for Chelsea. And now he, I mean, these footballers work so hard to try to, you know, they play game after game and, and, he's such a young guy a dream is to play for your country and to have that dream kind of snatched away from you and we'll see with reese james if he's able to recover from his injury to to be able to be considered in time but you just hate it for any of our young players because yeah selfishly we want them to be ready for chelsea but from a human perspective i want them to be able to play for their country and and to play in a world cup because that's what you that's what all the training and all the academies you've been in and that's what that's what you work for is to try to make it to those big tournaments and to play in the, you know, to win trophies and to play in the big club, the club competitions and international competitions. And I now, and now at the very least, he's going to have to wait another four years to be considered for selection. And, you know, maybe in two years at the Euros, but, you know, he, this is the second consecutive, he was out of the Euros as well. So, and like, well, he, in terms of like, he didn't really even get to play. He yeah. got, he, he was selected, but he didn't even get to play. So you hate it for him. And, um, you know, I've seen some people that are, you know, who maybe prefer Kukurea over, over Chilwell that 
we're expressing, you know, I hate to say happiness, but like people that were almost seemed like celebrating his injury. And I hate to see that get for any player and, you know, shame on anyone that was doing that because, you know, there, you know, there are players and you can, you can prefer one player over another, but at the end of the day, these guys are human. They're not machines. And with all the games that they've been playing in the run-up to the world cup, we've seen a lot of injuries and Chelsea, Chelsea has seen a lot of injuries with Reese and now, and now Chile and we saw Fafana. I mean, it's it's just we have to remember these guys are still human at the end of the day, and you hate to see anyone being deprived of opportunities and you know having dreams of theirs just kind of taken away from them all of a sudden. So, Chile, get well soon. We love you. Yeah, indeed, indeed, and for anyone who does celebrate those injuries, do not pay attention to them, people. Yeah, and look, as I said, that was obviously a contentious point because Grandpa did go with a very strong lineup against uh, against Zagreb. It, it kind of surprised quite a lot of a lot of people how strong it was. But on the bench at one point, I said I wasn't that, you know, annoyed. He started, obviously, we then kind of see that he did have strapping on. So in, in hindsight, could we have maybe, you know, try it, tried and not playing him? But obviously at the time, I didn't really have an issue with it because said he'd only started this, uh, started eight of Chelsea's 18 games this season. He started five in October out of nine. Um, you know, he's compared to Kukurella, who's also, who's played 12 from, who's 12 from 18 this season, six started, six for nine uh, in October. So it's just one of those where it's, yeah, it, it's a tough one. You know, the Chile injury is tough. Again, the argument is, could he maybe come away, not play those last, come off the end? But also, if that, if that, if he doesn't, you know, make go for the ball and, you know, he avoids that injury, then, you know, you can say, well, fair play to, well done to Grand Pot. You got some minutes in him again, you know, at, at 90 minutes, et cetera. So it's a really fine margins. And look, ultimately we played with fire and we got burnt, unfortunately. And unfortunately, Chile did, did get burned. And that's really, really unfortunate for him because, yeah, really 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 shitty situation that he finds himself in and it did really leave a, a, a I guess a, a pretty damp note to end that night and it was a, it was a bit just a just one of those nights the game had nothing riding on it Chelsea were already guaranteed top spot um there's nothing really you know to we don't need to do a deep dive in our sense that obviously it's quite nice but I've just actually been able to mention Dennis Zachariah name on this podcast I actually discuss him in a footballing sense uh, on this podcast so it's quite nice to be able to do that but we're going to move in to the Arsenal game and Pat, this was quite a hard watch. Chelsea had a plan. It was quite clear to me about first plan was soak up pressure and then maybe try and catch Arsenal on the counter on the break. The second part of that plan didn't really work in that first half. But to be fair, in that first half, we did soak up pressure fairly well. I can't really remember Arsenal doing creating much apart from from that Jesus misheader um, from that delivery in. But it did just feel. A lot of people, it's quite interesting, I've seen a lot of people comparing it to the City game at Bietti had, which I, I, I didn't really quite get, because I don't think, because in that game, City just still created loads and were probably lucky. We were lucky not to be ahead, whereas I don't think Arsenal actually created loads. I kind of compare it more to the City game under Thomas Tuchel last year when we lost 1-0 at home, where really we didn't really lay a glove on them. Uh, we didn't lay a glove on Arsenal today. We kind of just sit back, soaked up, and then we just conceded a, a soft goal like we did to, to City last year, and we found ourselves 1-0 down, all of a sudden have to try and, actually go out and attack in this game uh, and we struggle but just your thoughts on, on kind of the, the game plan setup and just that game in general from Chelsea yeah I thought I think that you kind of got it spot on with how we set up we obviously were set up to to soak to soak up pressure because I think Graham Potter knew if we opened ourselves up to you know attacking football that we were going to get carved open and it, you know even even with trying to soak up the pressure which I agree I thought we did reason we did reasonably well with that especially in the first half 
um, that passage of play where Jesus missed that chance. I mean, that was just a, an incredible passage of play, you know, with one touch passing and quickly moving the ball. Um, you know, we soaked up pressure, but then at the same time when we did get the ball, uh, intelligent pressing by Arsenal kept us from even stringing two to three passes together. And, um, and, and we couldn't, we couldn't really get out of our half at times. And it was, it was really, really a frustrating watch to have to wake up at, at 7 a.m. my time to try to, to try to watch that was certainly, was certainly gave me the idea of, I really wish I could go back to sleep, but if I've got, if I've got football on, it's not going to happen. So, um, I think Arsenal were just better than us on the day. I think a lot of people have already said it. So what I'm saying is nothing new. Um, Arsenal is a, is a lot further along in their, if you want to call it a rebuilding plan or a project that, you know, they have under Mikel Arteta, they're, they're a lot further along on their, you know, on their plan than we are on ours. So if we're serious about it, you know, Graham Potter's had what now, what are we in now? Like 11, 12 games under Graham Potter somewhere in there. And he's, you know, I'm not trying to sound like a Graham Potter apologist, but he's going to need time to try to build the identity that he wants and uh, to try to get that. I've heard people mention muscle memory about, you know, in a Graham Potter side, there's the muscle memory that you, that you're going to need in order to play the way he wants you to play. He's also going to need transfer windows to try to get, to try to get, you know, the players in that he wants to try to play his system. He got some of that time at Brighton and he, you started seeing the benefits of that this season. And, um, Mikel Arteta, when he first came in, he, you know, he struggled and Arsenal fans were calling for his sacking. Look at what's happened to them now. And even Pep Guardiola didn't start winning at city right away. I mean, sure. You know, of course they were in the top four firmly, but they, they didn't win a trophy in his first season, which is very unlike Pep. So, you know, we're kind of going through the growing pains, but I'm getting off on a tangent back to the game. I really feel like we were played off the park at times and um, defensively we were, we were, we were holding and looked like we were just going for that one single chance on the counter, but then the same story that we've had, not just for this season, but seasons past, we always discuss it. Lack of intensity up front, no final third pass, um, really creating very little. I mean, Sterling had a couple of bits and bobs there where I've, you know, looked like we could get something, especially at the very start of the second half, but um, really a lot that didn't really threaten Arsenal all that much. And don't think we even got a shot on target, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, it was, if we did, it was one, maybe one or two, but um, Ramsdale had very little to do on the, uh, you know, on the day. And yeah, I mean, it was one nil, but you know, if, if Arsenal had actually been more clinical, they could have even scored a couple more. Yeah, no, indeed. Chelsea had one shot on target during the game. Arsenal only had two, to be fair, but it was Mm -hmm. one of those. They had a lot more shots off target as well, but they create chances, which was reflected in the XG, which Chelsea 0.24, very low. You're not going to win games of football producing that. Arsenal 2.38. So, again, shows they did miss uh, some good opportunities there. Um, Yeah, it was tough, as I said, and without winning, then Arsenal became the first side to win 10 Premier League away games at Chelsea. They're just the second visiting side to win three in a row at Stanford Bridge off the Blackburn Rovers of all teams, 1993, uh, 94 to 95, 96. Um, yeah. Arsenal have a great record against us at Stanford Bridge, annoyingly, uh, over recent years. We used to, you know, that used to be one of those you could just talk bank as a, bank as a win back in the day, but that, that is not the case anymore. And, and credit to them, it was, it was, yeah, just quite a very, very difficult watch as well. The fact that, as obviously in the UK for a lot of fans, as well, it's a 12 pm game on a Sunday. So again, that's a, that's a pretty early start, you know, going up for the football as well. And it was just, 
yeah, just a bit, it was just a very flat day and a very flat, unenthusiastic day. And these, unfortunately, these last two games in the Premier League, I mean, the two before it, you know, weren't the most inspiring, but we actually got results in them. So it was sort of, sort of something to cling on to. But these last two games have just been really, really disappointing to watch. And, and it, you know, as I said, it reflects in, in the position we find ourselves in the league, which is seventh place now. Uh, and the reality of the situation is that, yeah, it not really changed much, but we are very much in a scrap uh, for European football like I think a lot of people thought we would be. Um, yeah, so well, it's quite tough. I don't I'm, it's, I don't even really want to talk about individuals today because I, I can't really say anyone was particularly great. You know, Silver was okay, although also had, you know, poor moments. Mendy, you know, aside from, you know, potentially trying to be a bit too, you know, there's one moment he almost gave me a heart attack when he held onto the ball a bit too long before distributing it. But, he, you know, he made saves that he needed to. He didn't really do anything wrong you know it, it's just a tough one Jorginho in the middle to be fair I thought was, was pretty decent you know the game getting in doing all right against the Arsenal press but it was a really tough tough watch today there's very little positives to take from that game we offered you know next to nothing Sterling again quite I think Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang had eight touches during the game and, and it was kind of painfully predictable how that game turned out I jokingly said and you can find I, I posted it on Twitter already as well but I jokingly made a prediction for the game but I can't wait for Aubameyang to get subbed off around the 60-minute mark with us 1-0 down. And literally, Arsenal scored their goal in the 63rd minute and Aubameyang is subbed off immediately after that for Armando Broja. One of the guy I was going off for Conor Gallagher. It was, it was just painfully predictable. And I just guess, you know, I, I don't think I'm psychic. I just think Chelsea, the realities are, are painfully predictable at the moment. It's just the current state we're in. But unfortunately, we're just not, we're just not great. You know, we, we lost big players uh, in the summer. We tried rebuilding. We, you know, got a new new ownership, new manager. It's chaotic. It's a it's a crazy season. We're playing games a lot. Injuries, World Cup. There's a lot going on. And unfortunately, it's just not going right for Chelsea at the moment. And look, the only consolation for us today is the Manchester United loss and the Spurs loss. You know, some of our rivals on top four. Obviously, the caveat has Liverpool won at Spurs. So they're now only two points behind us. But it just also just shows the bonkersness of this season. That Newcastle, you know, uh, comfortably the third best team of the Premier League right now. Uh, so all credit to them. But yeah, it, it it's just one of them. It, it's it's a bit of a mess. It's a bit crazy. Um, but look, I'm not gonna, you know, I think we kind of discussed performance really. We can kind of get into it more in the questions. Um, but yeah, we'll kind of leave that there and we'll move on to listener questions. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The first question comes in from RJ, who goes, how much of an impact, if any, do the, re- do the recent poor results in the Premier League have on Chelsea's January business? I mean, Pat, looking at it, obviously, you know, there's a World Cup. So again, who knows? There will be 
if someone has a standout breakout World Cup, they could, there will be links to them, as we always see with World Cups. Chelsea will be playing Champions League football in the new year. Um, top their group, round of 16, you know, awaits us. Champions League draw, when that comes out, we'll see. So Chelsea will have the, you know, European football tour for players. At worst, with a situation, you know, we are, at worst, we'll be eight points off top four, which, yeah, it's, it's not, it won't be good and that'll be quite a tough, uh, you know, mountain to surpass. But the situation, you know, shouldn't be too drastic, I think, to put players off if we wanted to. But I don't know about your thoughts. No, I'm with you. And I think January transfer windows, uh, you know, it's obviously cr- further complicated by the by the presence of the World Cup now. But what do we always see from January transfer windows? You're going to pay inflated prices for players that probably aren't worth that price tag. And that's going to be even worse now if someone performs in the World Cup. Like I think about like um, um, like uh, Golovin, you know, when like when in his last World Cup, everyone was talking about, you know, oh, are you going to pay like at the time, like upwards of like 30 or 40 million for him? And you're like, for for a guy that played a couple of good games at the World Cup, I mean, but that's that's the going rate, and people are, um, no team that's that that has really good players is is probably going to be selling their best assets in in January. That's generally a summer transfer window style thing. There are a couple of exceptions at times for guys that are close to being out of contract, but um, and could go leave for a free in the summer. But to get the players that you're really going to need to transform the side, I don't think you're going to get that in the in the January window. I mean, I know there's been talk of like Nkunku coming from you know from from Leipzig in January, but Leipzig is now in the knockout stages of the Champions League. You're not going to get him. Um, because they're not going to they're not going to give up their their Champions League adventure by getting rid of you know their top scorer. I mean, so I think we have to use a little bit of common sense too about what are the realistic chances of getting a player that's going to really the type of world class player that we need to transform this side. I think if you I think if you're buying players in January, you're going to get guys that are like a stopgap solution, and then you're going to be stuck with you know no one no one Chelsea we'll, we'll get like a, yet another left back, and we'll have you know. 14 left backs on the books again because you know we because we got rid of one or two it's like oh we need to replace them so i i don't as painful as it might be if if injuries persist i think we kind of have to unless we can find a player that is by some miracle available um that's really going to be an area address an area of need like right wing back or you know defensive midfield or something like that i think you kind of have to i personally want to see us like Stan Pat and, you know, fill in, fill in gaps with other players that we have, like an Ian Motson or, you know, yes, I understand. That's maybe not the long-term solution in a lot of people's eyes, but let's try to address that in the summer and not in the January window, because I, I don't very, very rarely do you get a Nicholas Anelka that, that helps improve your team in, in a January transfer window. Yeah, no, indeed. Indeed. As I said, I don't think, the current state we're in will have really much of an impact on, on January transfer business idea. It's just a question of what we can do in the January transfer window, who we can bring in, who we can bring out. And that links us nicely to Jay's question, which goes, who do we need in and out in January? I feel like we need to get rid of Ziyech and possibly Alba. I mean, Alba's an interesting one. I'll get onto that in a bit. Ziyech, yeah, he's he's not in the plans. He's I kind of forget he exists sometimes. I mean, I mean, as much as there's frustration with Akinzic, poor bloke couldn't even get minutes in a dead rubber against Zagreb, which I just kind of... Guess sums up the state where he finds his Chelsea career. Bamiang is an interesting one because 
you know, three goals, but two of them are in the Champions League. And in the Premier League, he's looked pretty near. Obviously, scored a great goal away at Crystal Palace, but he's not really been involved much, as we saw again today. Eight touches. It's an interesting one. Um, I don't think we'll get rid of Aubameyang uh, in January. I, I, in terms of other players getting rid of, I don't know who I would get rid of. I think we're more looking at a, a summer clear out because, again, we, yeah. you know, we've got to manage bodies. So we've got quite a few injuries at the moment. So, yeah. Who we need in and out, who we need in, though, I think is an interesting one. And again, it's a question of can you get in January? A Reese James backup has been needed for a while. If it's available in January, great. If not, summer, fine. Limp along. There'll be issues, you know, one way or the other. Um, midfield needs addressing. It's needed addressing for a while. It can get addressed probably in the summer because we had other more priority positions to address because we've not really been very clever in allowing the amount of centre-backs we had we allowed to leave in about in the space of a 12-month period um central midfield is is a necessary requirement i mean right now it's Jorginho and one other Kante's injured how much football we're going to get out of N'Golo Kante this season i do not know Kovacic has clearly got a knock as we know he's got injured you know maybe even needs surgery at some point maybe put that off after world cup you see when he's come when he's rested midweek and he's still then only available you know He's, unless Potter obviously made it was a tactical decision today, I don't know, but if you bring him on the last 15 minutes against Arsenal, that bloke is clearly not fit. Um, mid, so midfield and a, and a right back, or you know, right back, right wing back is who I'd say we need in January. And obviously, it's easy to say a striker, a striker, but if we don't, you know, provide someone to create the chances for them, then we need someone there. And we probably need a maybe need a, a creator there as well. But Pat, any thoughts to add? I think you've covered it really, really well. Um, you know, central midfield, you know, is certainly something because, you know, I would have even said last summer, it was a priority need, like, you know, because I've always, I, I personally feel like we've always had an imbalance in the, in the pivot and in the central midfield area. And I'm not going after one play. I'm not, I'm not attacking any of our players you know, that individually they have, they're, they all have things they do really well, but sometimes I, I think that we lose midfield battles because they don't balance well, or they don't mesh well, and it doesn't really matter what the pairing is. And so I think that, I think that's something that I wish would have been addressed last summer. And I think until we do, you know, it, it's that link between the, between def, you know, between the attack and the defense. So um, I, I, I think that, I think that's, that's a huge one. I, you, you covered right wing back. I think that's huge, you know, because, like it or not, Reese James, you know, has had long-term injuries for the last few years. And, you know, you're going to need to have depth to, to cover that. Um, and um, the attack is something we're always going to need. You know, we talk, we talk wingers, we talk, you know, creators, you know, at a 10. We, I mean, really, there's no one in our attack that just stands out now and you're like, they're just the first name on the team sheet every week. I mean, we, we, we chop and change them and, uh, it's the same type of result that we, you know, we get chances and we don't convert. Um, and, you know, we, you know, because sometimes in the big games, you're only going to get a few chances and we don't, we don't take advantage of those chances. And even when we do create, we, we create so many chances and then don't, you know, make the most of them. So um, I don't really have a whole lot probably valuable to add based on what you've already said. I thought you covered it really well, but um, I would just reiterate that unless these are, like quality players that you can bring in. They're not just stopgap solutions that you don't see them in your long-term plans. I don't see the point in bringing them in in January. If it, if it means you're just kicking the can down the road and you're creating further problems for yourself in future transfer windows. Yeah, no, indeed. I mean, Jay, if you're looking for 
an answer. If anyone was looking for an answer for a potential right back, and I'm literally basing this off the two games I've watched him play against Spurs in the Champions League, but Pedro Porra from Sporting Lisbon is someone based on purely two games. Based on two games, I will caveat, I do not watch the Portuguese league religiously every week. I do not know t- enough about him to go, yes, he, we must definitely sign him. But based on two games I've seen him play against Spurs, he is someone who I think, you know, b- potentially if he was available, because obviously Sporting are not going to be playing in the Champions League uh, come, come the new year. So potentially that may be an eye, maybe that's a name. If someone's asking me for a name, that's, that's a name I could give you for someone to maybe potentially go for. But as I said, no strong opinion of like I've literally based it off two games where I've been fairly impressed with what I've seen from him against Spurs. Um, the next question comes in from Dan Hill. Ten mark question. After a handful of Premier League games, we saw Mourinho's plan both times. After six Premier League games in the defeat to Arsenal, we saw Antonio Conte's plan. Winsley saw Tuchel's plan when he came in. So 12 games in, can anyone tell me what on earth is Graham Potter's plan? It's a tough one because you know there's not. It's not really quite clear what it is because also Potter's had a plan in a few games and he's had to abandon that plan because it's not worked very well. Today's plan, I got. I knew what. Obviously, I think a lot of us could tell what today's game plan was. It was pretty uninspiring, and it did and it did not work or get you know and help us get the result we wanted, which does not help his case at all because that was really passive and really timid from Chelsea. Um, but yeah, it is quite tough to tell what his, his game plan is, isn't it? Obviously, we have to, and again, sick of caveating, caveating it, the fact that he came in a month into the season. He did not get a pre-season to work with these players. He's had players out with injuries. He's playing every three days with his these players. The circumstances are not ideal for him to work in. However, however, it does sort of feel that it's quite hard to really tell what the plan, plan is at the moment. Because the last four games... Uh, I include the United and Brentford games. We're not great to watch. Obviously, I think, you know, in the, in the Champions League, credit to him, we've actually looked fairly good, albeit I think you have to caveat that, that even with the current state we are in, we are still clearly levels above that, the opponents we played in the Champions League. But it, it is a tough one because, as I said, I could not tell you tell you what his plan is. And almost, as I said, he's almost at points when I've been talking about, he's been guilty of almost trying to be too clever at times and just, you know, reinvent the wheel a bit too much. And he's not necessarily, you know, work with what he's got obviously today was you know for for the back which which to be fair I'd, I've been saying on the pod I was like we've got you don't have wing backs available you've got some amount of tender backs injured play for the back we play for the back today and the fair play didn't work I mean also credit caveat it's Arsenal they are looking very good it's kind of depressing how in the space of 12 months us and them have just flipped 12 months ago we were absolutely flying at this stage of the season under Thomas Tuchel but just you just your kind of thoughts because it is quite tough as much as we want to you know preach you know patience with Potter you know it does take time you know we do need to see something and right now unfortunately these last games we've not really seen anything to really buy into yeah I think that you know I I can't argue against Dan's point I think I think it is hard to see a plan because quite frankly I don't know that Graham Potter with this group of players and with the injuries that he has that number one that he even knows his best 11 to put out there and two what the form i mean not that he loves formations anyway everything is so fluid in a graham potter side but i don't think he even knows whatever what everyone's best position is at times i mean he's been trying to figure it out with kai i mean as other managers have i think it's been a challenge that a lot of managers have had is what is the best side with this current crop of players that we have and uh he's still trying to work it out without without having any time on the training pitch again not trying to make excuses because you're right nick we do need to see some kind of progress. If you want to keep the supporters behind you, you need to show them kind of a, an idea that you, you need to get across from them what you're trying to do. 
And I can completely, it's completely fair in all my defense of Graham Potter. It's completely fair to, to critique the, like what you see on the pitch. That is, that's what we do as supporters. And, and when you pay harder and money to go and see them, or you pay harder and money to get a TV plan to watch the club, you have every right to critique what you see and to, to, to hopefully see a plan. And I hope in time that Graham, Graham Potter is going to have to show in time as he's has more time on the job that that he learns these players because like it or not he's stuck with you know he's he he's he has this side for now until you know january and you know more more likely into the summer so he's gonna have to do something to try to make the best of what he has because good managers do that i mean you can um you know it's okay to have a project and everything in mind but the really elite managers are ones that can take players that they have and try to make the ones that they have at their disposal better so um yeah so to answer dan's question i don't really know i i agree that it's probably unclear at the moment to see what graham's plan is because i don't think graham has a plan at the moment i think he's he's just trying to tinker and not to be not to be claudio ranieri but you know i think he's just tinkering with the side you see all the different changes that he makes i think number one he's doing it to try to keep everybody the players that he does have available for selection fresh considering there's a game every three, four days. But I also think he just doesn't know what that, you know, what that best 11 is. So hopefully in time, we'll start to see more of more of an idea of what his plan is going to be for us going forward. Yeah, but obviously to Dan's, Dan's point, obviously on Mourinho, I'm kind of like that one, Mourinho kind of had that side, you know, almost ready as well. That side he inherited, you know, was a lot better uh, than the one than the one Potter has. He had, you know, a lot of players, especially that second time was a lot more experienced players who, you know, were seasoned out regulars. Um and that first time, you know, the squad had already the signs had already been made, uh, etc. And, and look, Conte also kind of then was able to kind of have Mourinho's um uh you know, you know, just kind of re nurse back to health Mourinho's team with with a couple of, of changes. But I do get the general point and obviously with Thomas Tuchel we did see that see that yeah. instantly but as I said as well, as much as we saw that plan instantly we did you know and we we did see our days we did see ultimately that Thomas Tuchel like his predecessors and like Graham Potter did also fall into you know similar problems with this current group of Chelsea players as I said a great you know tweet in a thread from from good friend Pod Daniel Charles talking about you know a question about uh, Adam Newsom raised about stands etc but the last four coaches the combustive title winner Antonio Conte the introverted idealist Maurizio sorry for rookie who's a legend Frank Lampard the elite coach, Thomas Tuchel, all of them had similar flaws. And, you know, all of these, you know, different coaches, different, have also had problems with this Chelsea squad. Um, so it is also, it is also tough. As I said, Potter is dealing with a lot of injuries. As I said, I think it's sim- it's so simple to say, if he has Reese James, I think Chelsea look a lot different than they do right now. And obviously managers have got to work with and find solutions to these problems. Mm-hmm. But all, but not all these, but not all, you know, problems have like, a very good solution or a solution we can we can work with. You lose Reese James, you lose Chelsea's best player, you lose the heartbeat of that Chelsea team. And yes, we've got to try and find a workaround. But we saw Chelsea last year when they lost one of their wingbacks in Ben Chilwell, how much they struggled. And then when it, they also about Reese James period, how much they struggled as well. So it is it is a tough one with Potter. He's, you know, the one good really good week we had under Graham Potter was kind of when he had players available. You know, we had those two Milan games and Wolves and he had players available. And life felt quite good under Grand Potter, and we were we were nice, we were dominant. You know, we we controlled the games, we 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 used possession quite well. Uh, we were you know fairly defensively sure. Our numbers, you know, xG against etc. was really solid. We we created 
you know, decent amounts. Not, you know, not loads and loads and loads like we really domain, but, you know, that Wolves game, albeit caveat of its Wolves, you know, we scored three, we looked pretty comfortable. The Milan game, we made the Syria champions look very, very ordinary. So again, it is like, there's been, as I say, there's been glimpses with Bossa, which is why I kind of, you know, I'm still, you know, pretty fairly positive about the situation. But as I say, the plan is quite tough. And when you lose those players, what is the plan? What is the solution? I don't think when you're Graham Poster and you're kind of bought in as this, this coach who is, as we know, is not, you know, Thomas Tuchel. He's not, you know, as tactically astute as Thomas Tuchel, but he's the kind of player who plays this pretty football who, you know, will get you, will entertain you. If you're going to kind of essentially channel your Jose Mourinho 2006, 2014, whatever iteration of him, park the bus against the big side, you know, if it doesn't work, you're going to brightly not really have much going for you. And I think, unfortunately, yeah. Graham Potter, I don't know what it is, he's, He's also trying to like adapt. He's at a big club. This is the first real, real big club job this career. He's managing two games a week. Is he ready for this job yet? We don't know. He's kind of built up a built up, you know, a reputation and a fairly impressive CV, obviously without, you know, winning any of the major success. But until you actually get the opportunity, you don't know. And right now, yeah, he he's he's struggled. She's struggling in recent weeks. There's no there's no denying that. And we, and we will just have to wait and see how how good a job he can do. But certainly 12 games in downtown. I can't tell you what, what Grand Pot's plan is. Pat, you've got uh, something to add. Yeah. Um, I, I, something, that, something that you kind of alluded to, I think, which is important. Um, you know, when we look back at the days of Mourinho and, you know, and managers like that, like something they had, they, they had, you, you referenced the players that they had. I mean, we're talking about, you know, players like a Drogba and an Essien and like all these like all these players, like, and I'm just curious, like if, if, if Potter had those kind of players, you know, back, back then would, you know, w- would it be different, you know, because I mean, when you've got a lot of players like that, I, I kind of like to think manage themselves and, and that's, that's taking nothing away from Mourinho. You, you know, I know, I know the man management skills that he had and the way he just fit with that team. I mean, it was such a special time for all of us as Chelsea supporters, but you know, we didn't have a scoring problem back then too so i think you know sometimes if you if you look at what players you have at the moment it kind of goes back to that point again of you know and i would say this whether it's tuchel or anyone else i mean these are not players like like drogba was a player that you know Mourinho wanted you know and um i, I don't know correct me if I'm wrong he was he, i don't know if he was signed under Mourinho because when they signed him for marseille but either way uh, you know these are like like those players that played in Mourinho were Mourinho style players. I don't think all of these players that we have now are Potter style players. And so, you know, it, there's, there's a lot of what if scenarios that you can do for what it is. And, you know, we just have to, it's kind of, we have to adopt a wait and see and just see what happens and hope that Graham Potter, you know, can, can start to put the way he wants us to play football uh, you know, that he can impress that on players. And I'm hoping through that muscle memory that I, that I put in earlier that we can start trying to play that way and hopefully we'll see some success from it. Yeah. No, obviously, as I say, in terms of, you know, Dan's question about our plan, obviously I get, you know, obviously, you know, obviously some of those, those names you listed down, it was kind of clear what their plan was. What I would say is I wouldn't necessarily compare or, you know, think back to what those managers, I would kind of just look back up what we current, you know, the previous Chelsea managers would have kind of dealt with this squad what their plans were. And again, to be fair, I think, you know, those were, those were fairly clear. Even Frank, you know, it's pretty clear he wanted to play pretty attacking, you know, pre-possession basically kind of obviously left us fairly, fairly exposed 
of a back and, to, and Tuchel kind of, you know, tries to strike a balance, etc. Obviously, I get it. With Potter, it doesn't feel quite clear what a plan is. It's not really noticeable. I'm, you know, even under Sarri, say that plan was fairly clear early on. So I do kind of get it. I, I also think he's also probably trying to think, you know, he's maybe just sort of, I don't know if he's questioning himself, but he's also just got to work out like what is... What does he want to do? What does he want to get with these players? Because he's not, he's just, he's literally just been thrown in right at the deep end, you know, and it's just a case that they've just gone right, swim, um, and just see see if he can. So it's a tough one. But yeah, ultimately, it, it unfortunately, right now, it is a bit, really the, I can tell even just looking online that the kind of reaction to Potter has changed a bit. And again, that's completely understandable because there's no emotional attachment to Graham Potter. That's completely fair. I have no emotional attachment to the bloke. I hope he does well because he's the Chelsea manager. I hope all Chelsea managers do well, but there is no emotional attachment to him. There's nothing really to to buy in. I know people will allude to the way he speaks in his press conferences. I try not to really get you know too too in too bothered with that because again, what based what press conferences I'm not interested in really. I will get the tweet you know the quotes on Twitter within about a minute or two anyway, so I don't really need to listen to or watch a press conference you know so. It, look, it is what it is with Potter. We we will just have to see. As said, the World Cup, I think, will come at a good time. Obviously, there'll still be players aware of the World Cup. Um, but yeah, we are now zero wins in four, and it's Newcastle away next. So there is a real potential we could be zero wins in five in Premier League, which will be very, very tough and a real difficult situation we find ourselves in. But I think we've just got to just try and be patient. But obviously, if we have more performances like today, it's going to be quite tough to. But today... Uh, you know, Bryson Taylor the first two, like the two, like really, really poor performances under Potter. But we've just got to see if that continues. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. The final question comes in from Shyam. Take us through your honest ex- expectation from what it was at the start of the season to when Pods came in and to what it is now after seeing the recent performances. Uh, Pat, I will let you go, go first. Uh, so what were your expectations? At the start of the season. So when Thomas Tuchel was in charge and, you know, the Voli era was, you know, ready to get underway and, you know, pre-season was chaotic. You know, Tuchel was saying we might not be ready for the season. But what was your expectations at the start of the Premier League season for Chelsea? I tend to always be at the start of the season fairly optimistic. I mean, you know, it's the it's the start of a new season, you know, like every everyone's starting with a clean slate. So it's like. I'm I'm buzzing about a new season starting. So I think in a, in a prediction thing I did with someone, I think I put Chelsea, you know, finishing third, which I don't feel the same. I, and I can, and getting into the second part of the question, I don't feel the same way now. I don't, I don't really envision us finishing in the top four. You know, yeah. if I, if I'm honest right now, I think that, uh, you know, injury plays a part in that because I, even after people come back from injury, you know, you wonder how are that? How long is it going to take for them to kind of get back to hopefully, ideally, they get back to their best? But is it going to take more than just a half a season to get them back to their best? I mean, we saw bringing back. I know none of them are necessarily an ACL injury that they're returning from, but you know, when you're talking about hamstring and you're talking about knee strains, you know, like you know, all it takes is one little tweak to reaggravate an injury. And so, um, my expectations are not that are probably not that we're going to finish in the top four at this point, 
And if I, I mean, if I had to pick a position, even probably even being optimistic, I'm going to go for sixth. Um, but you know, I think it, I, I'm just prepared to try to hopefully if, if, if the ownership is serious about starting a project that we're going to have to take the growing pains that go along with that. And, you know, some of the low points or maybe, you know, like I know that I'm not the first one to mention this, but like maybe even drop to the conference league and win every year, win every trophy that that's possible. So if we're not going to finish in the top four, maybe just go and grab that trophy too. And um, really grab every uh, trophy possibly available. Yeah. So Pop, so you said your expectations to start the season were third and currently they're kind of sick. What were your expectations to the second part of Sean's question when Potter came in? Was it still, were you obviously when he came in, we were outside the top four, but not by very much. Thomas Tuchel was sad about six league games into the season. What were your expectations at that point? Honestly, they were about the same. Um, I was so shocked at Thomas Tuchel getting sacked that, um, you know, I, I didn't think that, I really did think that, you know, I, I thought we might experience a new manager bump. And I was, if we were going to have to replace the manager, I was never fully, I was never Tuchel out at any point, uh, you know, just to make that, that clear. But after the, after the, after the decision was made to get rid of Tuchel, uh, to sack Tuchel, then, um, you know, Graham Potter was a name that I was always interested in. And, um, but I didn't think that, I still think that he was going to need the players to try to impress upon you know, his true impact on the side. So um, it didn't, uh, um, I, I still thought maybe we could do top four, but it was, but I thought that under Tuchel as well. But then after the injuries, it's kind of, it's kind of changed. And, you know, um, uh, yeah, I, I think that probably now I'm, I'd say sixth is what I'm kind of looking at. And um, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sean, obviously at the start season preview, but I got us all to do, do predictions. Uh, Adam Newson said uh, fourth alongside me and Daniel said third. I kind of was just going on that we have got weaker. We lost two great centre-backs. You know, obviously this was also recorded before some of the signings were made, et cetera, uh, but we have now. But I thought top four, I thought it would be tough because, again, I didn't think Chelsea had improved significantly uh, to move, you know, to really, you know, go anywhere. And I did think there'd be some, there would be some some grand pains. At the start, I said when you lose people like Tony Rudiger and Josh Christensen, those are big losses. And while the signings of Koulibaly at the final rate were exciting and interesting. I think a lot of people were kind of in on Bakuda Bali, thinking we were getting Bakuda Bali over five years ago, that really high player, and he's not that same player now. He's still good. Uh, he's still a good player. Um, obviously, he's had some injury issues, and then, and obviously, we then got Fafana in, and he's had some injury issues. Uh, but obviously, when Potter came in, I still thought we would get top four, so my position in that point hadn't changed. I still thought, you know, top fourth. Um, and it was also one of those where I was watching Spurs, and I was not really impressed. And for a period, I thought third is up for grabs if we if we get out, if we get on it. And and honest, what is it right now? I'm kind of really hard to say, you know, top four looks tough right now. Uh, but as I said, I would say a top four scrap, which would basically be what I've kind of felt this whole season would be for Chelsea anyway, really. Because, I mean, I give you the live Premier League table now. See, Arsenal were top on 34, Manchester City second on 32. We're not going to finish ahead of those teams. Newcastle were third on 27. And right now I put Newcastle down as as a team finishing top four because I've been, I think they look so much more impressive than Spurs, Man United and us. You've got Spurs in fourth on 26, Manchester United fifth uh, with 23 points, Brighton sixth on 21, us in seventh on 21, uh, Liverpool eighth in 19. So obviously, again, it would obviously depend if Liverpool, you know, get get a run of form together. They've obviously won at Spurs uh, this weekend. Uh, they're still behind us. They've had a very hit and miss season. It's one of those, I'm not impressed by many teams in the Premier League this season. So it's one of those, if we get top four, if we get, get a run of form together, I still think top four is achievable. 
the question is, are we going to get that, you know, run of form together? And right now, it does not look very likely given how we're playing. But again, seeing what happens with injuries when players come back, who knows? It's it's a really tough one to say because the nature of the season is it can change. It can just change so quickly. As I said, when Tuchel came in at the time uh, in, in January 2021, we were, I think, eighth or ninth, but we were only a few points out, outside the top four. And then within four or five games, we were back in that top four and we, and we got in and we stayed in there, obviously, with a bit of help from Spurs on, on that final day. But it's one of those, I think top four is still achievable with this group of players. But it's just, you know, on the caveat that players stay fit. Reese comes back fine. Chile comes back fine. That, you know, defensively, we kind of, you know, we do, we do improve under Potter like I would expect us to improve uh, as the season goes on. But it's a tough one because said right now, I think realistically top four, I, I, it's quite hard to envision because we don't look good. There's a lot of other teams don't look good. It's just a question of which one of us is slightly, which isn't as bad as the others, really. Because um, it's a tough one. Because the reality is, if we lose at Newcastle next week, we're nine points behind Newcastle. And that would be, you know, over a, just over a third of the way into the season. And that's quite a big gap to make up already. And Newcastle are only playing once a week, while we're playing twice a week with Europe, etc. as well. So it, it's a tough one. I think my expectations are, you know, I still think top four is achievable. Uh, if we play like we're doing recently, that's not going to happen. And we can't complain because we've not been good enough. Um, so we will just have to wait and see. But yeah, my expectations weren't high at the start of the season. Uh, so that's probably perhaps why I'm on the pod, if anyone. I've not been as, you know, I perhaps don't get as down as maybe some of you guys do or, or anyone else. Because I don't really, I wasn't expecting a huge amount from the season before it began anyway. Um, but we'll have to see. Yeah, the confidence right now is probably not as good as it is, uh, as it was uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and I'm I'm very grateful that in six days' time, or when you're listening to this, five days' time, Chelsea play their last game for over a month and a bit. And I can just get basically get out and stop really thinking about Chelsea for, for a while, because that would be quite nice uh, just to get away and enjoy other things. So, yeah, Sean, very long answer to your question. But, yeah, start of the season fourth, when Potter came in fourth right now, Still think we can scrape top four, but realistically, you're probably looking at Europa League or maybe even Conference League, which again, the dream, if we're not to get top four, Conference League is the way to go because then we can become the only team to win all three European trophies, the all three European trophies. And we can then truly say we've won it all because we have te- won it all, but we've not had the opportunity to play in the Conference League. So then if that opportunity arises, boom, take it. None of the Europa League. I, the Europa League, no. Give me the Conference League instead. Um, that's all the questions. We got sent in this week. Yeah, it's it's been a for the second week running a fairly, I guess, disappointing disappointing episode to discuss. We've had obviously success in the Champions League, with uh, followed by disappointing results in the Premier League. But before we go, Pat, I'm going to give yourself one last chance. Just give yourself a plug uh, where people can find you, etc. Well, Nick, first of all, thank you again for allowing me to come on. I absolutely love this podcast and think it's one of the best ones out there. And I think, I know I'm not the only one that feels that way. Um, but um, again, if you want, if you're interested in, uh, and, ho- and hopefully you'll see me as more positive than probably I, ha- I have been in, in some of my responses to the questions today, but you can find me on Twitter at, at PTP underscore COYB. I do match previews, match reviews. I've I'm kind of intermittently doing a new little series called chat with Pat, where I try to, while I'm outside walking, I try to just think about things, Chelsea or football related and kind of put questions out there for everyone to react to. So if you're interested in anything like that, please, you know, please uh, check out my page and give me a follow. And, um, you know, I love interacting with anyone that loves to respectfully debate. Yeah, indeed. 
indeed. Uh, make sure you check out Pat, one of the good guys. As for us, we're on Twitter at that Chelsea Pod. We're on Instagram at that Chelsea Pod. We're on all your usual podcast platform providers, Apple, Spotify, etc. If you're not subscribed already, then why not? But if you aren't, just search that Chelsea Podcast and we should come up. So if you want to leave us a rating and a review, that would be very, very helpful. Five stars would be great. But if you but if you don't like the podcast, feel free to leave a one-star review like the reviewer did at the start of the podcast. We can't please everyone. Um, but hopefully, I mean, I presume that listener is not, not listening uh, since he rated it one star. But if he is, hello. Don't worry. I take all feedback on board. And I'm sorry you felt that way, despite the fact that we were actually fairly positive about Christian Pulisic's third episode. But nonetheless, we cannot please everyone um but yeah any ratings and reviews go a long way uh, whenever i tweet the pod out any likes retweets go a long way and a reminder that you can get 20 percent off uh at manscape uh with code chelsea pod as i said there's not long left to run on that deal so if you want to use it very quickly because time will run out and look chelsea aren't playing for a month you know so what are you gonna do what are you gonna do in this time maybe you're gonna be wanting out maybe you, you know when chelsea aren't playing on your weekends you're gonna be yo i want to go on a date i want to meet a woman well do you know that 96% of partners think bad grooming is a major turnoff? You know, you don't want to find yourself in that situation down there. 85% of partners prefer a man who's groomed below the waist. So if you're going to get lucky, then, you know, be prepared. Simple stuff. And 91% of men think that good grooming is essential to their professional success. So look, 20% off at manscaped.com with the code ChelseaPod. I'm plugging it. I'm very shameless at the end of the podcast here. But yeah, until the next episode, everybody, keep a blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network.